Welcome to Let's Pause, a podcast that gives us the opportunity to do just that. In a society that seems to only be gaining speed, leading to rushed decisions and results, we're pushing the pause button on life to explore, study, and dig a little deeper on a variety of subjects. So thank you for joining us today as we pause. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jeff, and this is Mark. Hey, Jeff. How are you? Good. Mark, tell me about this topic that we're going to talk about today. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. We're going to talk about finding better balance. And in general, we mean probably better balance in life. I think we have all come to recognize that the world is moving faster and faster around us. And, uh, and that's forcing us to move faster and faster, sometimes not to our betterment. Yeah, and I think that our, our purpose of this opportunity to kind of pause on this is that we're, we think it's healthy to be curious and so as we kind of dig a little bit deeper in this, let's uh, talk a little bit about the history of rushing and, and life on this. That's a great idea, Jeff. Where does that history come from? Well, you know, one of my favorite books that I've recently read is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And mm. he's got a brief a chapter on brief history of speed. And so, you know, he nerds out on this. There's a paragraph in here that says, let me nerd out on a few minutes to show you how we got here. And so he starts with the sundial. Hmm. I'm not sure how I can think about the sundial as kind of thinking about speed, but here we go. So there's the Roman playwright Plotus. <laughs> Feel free to correct us and email us on that if you're not happy about how I pronounce that. But he turned angry into poetry. The gods confound the man who first found out how to distinguish ours. Confound him too, who in this place set up a sundial to cut and hack my days so wretchedly into small portions. So it also says, you know, next time you're running late, just quote a little Plotus. Nice. It's amazing where we've come if they thought that the sundial was uh, interrupting the flow and feel of their day. And now half of us have Apple Watches and we're always checking our phones and things like that for what time it is and where we're going next in our, our daily planners. Uh, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. So, Mark, how many hours do you sleep a night? Gosh, uh... I would say I am in bed about six to seven hours, but the quality of that sleep, probably somewhere between five and six. All right, so let's talk about this then. Also, uh, uh, John Mark Comer says, then in 1879, you had Edison in the light bulb, which made it possible to stay up past sen uh, sunset. Okay, brace yourself for the next step. Before Edison, the average person slept 11 hours a night. Oh my gosh. I can't imagine. <laughs> what a, I mean, they must have all been teenagers. That is a, that's an incredible uh, amount of sleep. I wish that were the case. It, it does make a whole lot of sense though, Jeff, when you think about it, that, uh, I mean, we really weren't designed, the world doesn't seem to be designed for us to do work in the dark, right? And I get it, there were candlelights and things like that, but uh, man, uh, we should hunt down Edison with a time machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should really have a serious conversation about that. Yeah. All right, so here is my other one. So I think where the you know our our government felt like we were going to have plenty of time to pause. One famous Senate subcommittee in 1967 was told that by 1985, the average American would work only 22 hours a week for 27 weeks a year. Everyone thought the main problem in the future would be too much leisure or, I guess, pausing a lot. Wow. Well, uh, I mean, it shows you that 
that people in the past are just about as wrong as people are today <laughs> with those kinds of assumptions and that maybe the world isn't always headed in the best direction. Lots of great things happening with the light bulb. I certainly like to not trip over stuff as I'm headed to the bathroom at three in the morning. Yeah. But man, Jeff, um, I'm not happy that now I can get up at five uh, and see everything fine because I just turn on the light. And uh, I'm certainly not happy that I'm not getting eight hours of sleep, let alone 11 hours of sleep. Doesn't it all feel like the world is headed in the right direction? Well, and I think that, you know, as we talk today, one of the things is we our, our topic again is life balance. And the, t- and the title of that, that book is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And that got my attention as I read that. And we, we picked this topic because we think there is a lot of opportunity of for us to pause. For us, meaning let's create some space to absorb what is... What does balance mean in one's life? Mark, how is, um, why is this subject important to you, trying to find balance in your life? I think, Jeff, uh, like you, I've spent most of my adult life um, at work. And uh, nothing wrong with that. I I like work. Uh, It's clear that that's part of what we've been designed to do and makes a whole lot of sense. And it's a it's a requirement, logistical necessity of life to work, to make money and so on. Um, But it seems like the rhythm of that life has just been to keep our heads down and plow through work getting to work earlier, staying later, uh, and it just doesn't seem to to let up. And I think when we do poke our heads up out of that, we recognize, hey, life is passing us by, really important things are happening around us, and unless we take a moment to pause, to think about thoughtfully and intentionally, uh, we're missing a big piece. So I, I, I agree with you on this, and the one of the things that kind of got my attention on this topic, and I'm gonna go back Wow, it's, I think it was 16 years ago. I was fortunate enough that I had a mentor in my life who worked with me on leadership skills and, and spending time with me. And we created my my goals for 2006. And I was and, and he printed up, laminated it, and I had to carry it in my wallet. And one of those goals was to be better at being than doing. And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> and, yeah. and so, and what I realized that the, you know, 16 years later, 15, you know, 15 years later, is that finding that balance between being and doing and understanding how I want to be while I do is getting more and more complicated as I felt like the world was hurrying up. Whether it was lots of emails, lots of text, lots of work issues and those kind of things, balancing that, being on call 24 hours a day, those kind of things were, and, and then also making sure that where are the kids supposed to be? How am I making sure that um, my wife and I are getting time? How am I making sure that I'm spending time with my kids? And, you know, and I also, in the last five years, uh, my dad passed away and so that took on different responsibility with my mom who had dementia. And, you know, and where that we shared with my siblings. And so there, it just, life got busier and busier. And so figuring out how to be in that, which I think where the quality of life comes from while you're doing what you're doing, uh, was a priority. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense and resonates uh, with me too, Jeff. When you say uh, kind of more about uh, the the being uh, than the doing of life. Uh, it makes me think of that quote where we talk about um, life is about a journey, not a destination. So we we have all these sort of transactional destinations in life, 
jobs and promotions and um, and places and whatnot. But the reality is it's probably more important that we focus and invest in how we go about doing life as opposed to what we accomplish or accumulate in life. Yeah, and I think what is what is important, right? What are the most important things that you're working on um, or what that you're where you're, where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be doing is how do you figure out what where the what is the most important as you work to value and create value in your life and for others and and serving others so i've got a quote and i'm probably going to pronounce this name wrong philippe petit he was the guy who walked between the world trade centers french guy yes yeah yeah and uh he has this quote my journey has always been about the balance between chaos and order hmm so yeah. you have any chaos in your life? Oh my gosh. Um, I do. <laughs> I, I frequently joke, you know this about me, but I frequently joke because I have a big family and I have uh, lots of different things and for a while trying to work a, uh, kind of multiple jobs. And I think I always think of life as controlled chaos, that I am right between the space of uh, some of the plates falling and trying to desperately keep the plates moving. And uh, that's not a comfortable place to be. And not that I want life to always be comfortable, but if you're chronically trying to keep the plates moving and nothing from falling, that's probably not the best place to be either. So what are some of those plates look like for you? Well, some of them uh, are marriage and a relationship with a spouse. Some of them have to do with kids and trying to be a good shepherd and a big, a good coach and a good uh, father to, to kids. Some of them, of course, are about being a good brother because uh, I have sibling. Some of them are being a good kid because I've got aging parents. Parts of it have to do with being a good steward in my community because I want to make a difference where I live. Some of it has to do with my profession. I'm a retired military psychologist, and so part of that is both time in the military and supporting the service, wanting to continue to serve in some capacity. Another part of it is trying to be a good professional, good counselor or coach or, or mentor to other people. So, I mean, there are lots of plates, and I probably could, could keep counting them. How about you? Very similar with the family, obviously, with uh, my spouse, uh, making sure that Severine and I are chipping away at our marriage and making sure that's going well and uh, committed and investing in that on a regular basis. Uh, the four kids, uh, making sure that those relationships are strong and, 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 and as they're becoming adult children too, that is a new dynamic that I am continuing to learn and having to pause on a regular basis and recalibrate uh, to make sure that I, I learn as a, a parent of adult children. And then I recently have retired from the field of long-term care and am working on, you know, one of my plates is working on repurposing and creating a new career. And then I would say that, you know, same thing, sibling, aging parent, and variety of different things that relationships you want to maintain, but also being involved with the community to make sure that how do I give back and how do I serve the greater good? And so one of the ways that helps me be on this journey is I have a personal mission statement. My hope is I will always want to honor and value people. I'm not always successful at that, uh, but that is always something to try to keep me focused of that's how I want to be while I do things is that I'm honoring and valuing people uh, because it's people are, I think we're meant to be in community. I think we are meant to um, uh, have relationships with you know, the folks in our life and that we are blessed enough to come in contact with. And so I just 
you know, that's just the journey of these plates that are spinning. And, and sometimes you, you've, I'm sure you've had this is that a plate gets whizzed at you like a Frisbee. <laughs> you're like, and you're trying to protect yourself while it's coming at you while making sure you're not dropping the other ones. That's right. Yeah. And it's usually a headshot uh, that <laughs> yes, you're not expecting. Yes, that's right. I like, uh, I like that um, personal mission statement that you've got. And I think it's uh, reflective. I was thinking about it as I was talking about the plates that I have spinning. They're all centered on relationship with other people. I mean, whether I'm talking about being a sibling or a son or a father or a spouse or you know or my profession um, I'm defining that thing in relationship to other people and uh, it strikes me that part of taking a pause and uh, finding balance one is focusing on the quality of the relationships that we have and probably the most important relationship is the one that you have with yourself, the one that sort of starts at the core, um, finding balance and mindful sort of centeredness in just who you are. You know, it's really funny as I thought about this, when you just said that, the personal mission statement, I never put myself as one of the people. <laughs> it might mean that this is an opportunity for me to pause and kind of reflect on that a little bit. That's good. Uh, so... As we move forward today, you know, I think this is a great opportunity for us to introduce our guest. Yes. Uh, our guest is Jane Raddick, who will be joining us. Uh, uh, I have known this individual for my entire life. <laughs> and so as we start off on a podcast, uh, we are going to be introducing my sister to help us talk a little bit about balance and life-centeredness. All right. Well, Welcome. This is Jane Raddick, and as we start our podcast, just like anything else in life, we ask people to support us who can't say no to us, or if in my case, I would tell on her, I would say, Mom, Jane wouldn't be our first guest. So I am pleased to introduce my sister, Jane Raddick. Welcome, Jane, to Let's Pause. Jane, probably a good way to kick this off, uh, just let our listeners know a little bit about you uh, and your background so that they have some reference points be before we dive into our topic of finding life balance. Um, okay, so I am Jeff's older sister, one of four, the only girl, three brothers. I'm 56 years old. I have a husband and three kids. I play the violin. Um, prior to COVID, I worked in outdoor education, um, environmental field trips with mostly with fifth graders, background in education, work with a local food bank that's all volunteers, which has been a lot since COVID. Yeah. Well, thanks, Jane. Uh, Jeff? So, you know, since you're, the reason that you're our first guest is that you and I had a conversation about, well, we've had many conversations <laughs> throughout <laughs> the years, but, uh, but we had a conversation regarding that changed my perspective on balance in life. And you shared that maybe instead of thinking about balance, maybe I ought to think a little bit more about centeredness. And, you know, I just appreciated that. And it had me recalibrate the way I thought about work-life balance and so I just kind of thought maybe you could elaborate a little bit about that on how you work to create balance or centeredness in your life. I think it's only fair to stay right out the gate that I probably am very lucky biochemistry wise. I, I think that my natural way of being is fairly balanced, just maybe naturally. But I would say that 
regardless of that, I am human. <laughs> and so just being human on this journey means that there are times when things get out of whack, obviously. People you love, yourself, we're all vulnerable. So one of the things I guess that I encourage in myself and I encourage in people that I love and people that I have relationships with is to take note of the things that re-nourish yourself. You know, so if you think about being centered, I guess it really does have to start with yourself. What re-nourishes your soul? What, when you're freaking out, <laughs> what can you do first to find a place that's a little bit more peaceful or a little bit more, you're a little bit more able to think clearly, receive input and information other than maybe just your own freak factors that are, are really overwhelming you. So for me, you know, I, one of the things I was really lucky to do as I was growing up is I was able always to walk to and from school. Um, so I started my day, you know, even when we lived in Corning, even though that was probably only a five to 10 minute walk, maybe five minutes, especially when you're skipping to school, you know, I had that opportunity. And then when we lived in Painted Post, um, literally that was 20 to 30 minutes, maybe at the beginning of my day and at the end of what my day maybe as a teenager was even. And that often started off with just me, myself in walking in nature, starting with, and then eventually in neighborhoods. And then eventually usually meeting up with like a best friend or on the way home, I started with a best friend. So you're kind of decompressing with a friend and then you're, then I was by myself. And so that is something that I continue, I've done throughout my whole life is gone outside, walked by myself with loved ones. And I actually recently, well, I won't say recently, I, you know, five years ago, our dad died, which definitely got things out of whack emotionally, logistically, probably in every relationship, because I was definitely, I mean, I can still be really sad about it. But I think that, you know, one of the things I started doing a little bit too much, I think, was instead of walking in nature without headphones in, I had headphones in a lot. And I think I was probably trying to distract myself from what my brain was thinking about. And so, you know, the last probably year and a half, two years, I've been trying to make sure consciously when I'm outside, don't always be listening to a podcast. Don't always be listening to music. You got to let, I mean, for me and my coming back to myself, um, which isn't always pleasant. I guess I have to say that too, right? Sometimes when I'm recentering myself, I have to have that space to let things come into my own mind and process them. That that probably, that's one of the things that I've always come back to. And then I think I started to say that every individual taking note as you're going on in life, like what does help, what, what helps you individually. And it's, it's often such an individual thing, but then like literally like things like cranking music and like really cranking music and dancing, right? 
if I am having to do something that I would not prefer to do, but I can crank the music and dance while I'm doing it, it brings me back to me. Say like when I think about that centeredness, I think about the self because I don't know how well you can connect and stay within a comfortable range of humanity, which is not always comfortable, but if you, if you don't check in with yourself, I guess, and then also nourish yourself. So I think that's, maybe that's what I meant by centeredness, because I don't know how you hear other people asking for help or how you can be there for other people when you're super out of whack yourself. Well, I think about the teeter-totter example, right? And I, I think one of the things that you shared with me back then was that, you know, work-life balance, you can't be at one end of the teeter-totter for six weeks like crazy and try to get a long weekend at the other side of the teeter-totter and be balanced. You have to be in the center of the teeter-totter and have one foot evenly in to make sure that you can keep it balanced. And so you might be able to stretch here and there and you might make sure that you're maybe using this, sticking with this visual is that, which is great for a first podcast, try to use the visual. <laughs> um, you know, you're trying not to let it one hit the grounds or get so dug into the ground that you can't get that one end off. And, and so it's, you know, standing that center, which I think we all did as kids one time or another, you know, you have to have one foot solidly grounded on either side of that center mark. I think there are also times in that um, when you're on that teeter-totter or seesaw that basically we've all experienced where the other person jumps off if you're actually on one end and they're on the other end and you uh -huh. hit the ground pretty hard. Yeah. It, you remember you remember that. And so in trying to work your way back to the center takes takes work. Yeah, sometimes it's definitely not pill climb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah with a moving piece of equipment. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's better to think of it like where it's not only a seesaw, but it's also twirls around, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I think that centrifugal force is also right. Trying to pull you, trying to pull you out. And especially, I think, like I said, when we were growing up, there was just a lot less complications. There was a lot more time to come back to yourself. One of the things I like about this analogy, I know that you can sometimes take analogies, <clears throat> word pictures too far, but the teeter-totter, it strikes me that it's helpful if you have a willing or invested partner to help keep balance. Because if it's you constantly trying to jump from one end to the other end or have one foot on the center, one foot somewhere else to kind of bandage it, it's doable obviously, but you've, you've increased the difficult factor, uh, you know, by two or three fold. But if you have someone on the other end, who's not jumping off to see you bang your tailbone on the ground, but is there to kind of help push off with you, coordinate efforts with you work as a teammate, it makes finding that balance for both of you a lot easier. And I know that like, I don't again, want to extend the analogy too far. But if you think about partnerships in life, whether those are friends, or whether those are spouses, or even sometimes, uh, you know, children that can that can play that role for a uh, for another adult or for their parent, those kinds of things can make life balance easier. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think, you know, I've always told my kids that the more you understand yourself and the more you know what brings you joy and you know what freaks you out and the 
better you're going to be able to partner with someone. And, you know, it's interesting because I don't really think about being on the opposite sides of things with my partners or, or my partners. <laughs> Sorry, honey. Um, <laughs> with my friends or my kids or, or Matthew, my husband. I more think about like circumstances, I guess. I, I guess I ask for help when I need it, but I also really like one of the things talk about um, kids and how they can help you understand yourself even better. I think that I, my kids are 28, 26 and 21. I think they have been very helpful in helping me even better understand myself, like pointing out things to me, which were things that, you know, I, I, didn't see in the same light and have given me other ways to try to keep myself centered, to let less things pull me away from that. Having partners, friends that can help you when you need it, having, you know, a love mate, you know, that can listen when you're saying, even when you're not saying it in those exact words, maybe you're just saying, I really need my steak to be rare, <laughs> which was one of the things that, how I called for help after my dad died <laughs> to my husband, who doesn't believe that anyone would eat their steak rare. But, you know, that was a huge call for me. Like, I can't even find myself. If you give my steak can't be rare, where am I? So, you know, yeah, I think if there are people that can hear you, even when you're speaking a different language, yeah, super, super helpful. Because we can't do anything. Well, I mean, we can do things by ourselves, but it's not, not really why we're here, I don't think. Connection. I think we're seeking connection to ourselves and to everybody. Jane, we appreciate you spending the time that you have with us, and we appreciate you digging deeper into a topic that I think uh, we're interested in exploring. And um, I think we're just we're thankful that you were willing to share your thoughts and experience with us. Thank you, and I wish you guys super amounts of good luck and working together as partners. <laughs> yes. Are we on the same side of the teeter-totter or are we on opposite sides, Mark? We, we, to play well, we have to be on different teeter-totters, but we're in the same playground and okay. that's what's important. You can see each other going up and down. All right. That's oh, parallel play. Nice. Okay. So you guys are in a developmental stage that's preschool. That's lovely. You guys are going to grow. I just feel it. All right. Excellent. Well, thank you, Janie. We appreciate it. And you know, all, right. Just, all right. Love you, girl. Love you too. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Well, first of all, I'm very thankful for Jane joining us. And uh, Mark, what do you think? Gosh, uh, what great insights, Jeff. And we couldn't have picked a better um, better individual to interview. And uh, there are a couple things that jumped out at me, first of all. I mean, one was, I think Jane kicked us off talking about the fact that she feels naturally, biochemically, that she's just a person that 
has an easier time finding balance. And I think that's an interesting acknowledgement up front. I hadn't dawned on me before uh, she said what she said, but the reality is some folks are going to find finding balance in life easier than other folks. I think some folks just tend to react and roll with the punches of life better than other people. And that's probably a reasonable thing to acknowledge up front. I know in my own field, a lot of times we talk about the fact that nature is nurtured. So it's not a competition between is this nature, is this nurture, but it's we all come with a certain amount of biology to life. And then the way in which that deals or handles with the the ups and downs of life has a lot to do with how we care for and navigate those challenges. So I think that was a really great thing. I also loved her question, which is what re-nourishes your soul? In what way, uh, how do we find peace in the midst of what we've been been calling chaos? I think she called it the freak factor uh, that comes into life. But, you know, I think it's clearly the same thing. What are the things that we do? And then I loved the fact that she went into her childhood and described starting her day before school with this quiet time, uh, walking to school where she was just with herself, or at times with a friend. And then similarly, her kind of decompression time at the end of her kid day, before she went back and inserted herself with parents and siblings and the rest of life, was this other moment where she's walking back to school, either by herself, where she can find some some sacred moment time with just her, or with a friend, where she can decompress and dump and unload uh, whatever life brought her from a kid's perspective. That was really powerful. I think that what re-nourishes your soul, I think that's also recognizing one size doesn't fit all, right? And so the understanding who you are, that whether you are, as she said, maybe some people are genetically disposed to be able to go with the flow a little bit easier than others, and that's okay. You know, recognizing that upfront first and acknowledging that then I think gives people the opportunity to understand in, in the terms I would say is how we're going to be. Yeah. And, and then the other thing too, is I would say that the understanding that life events can create unbalance and you have to take that and let that come to your mind and process that and work your way through those events, not just kind of block them out. Um, you know, she said she put her headphones in and sometimes she was listening to things and kind of block some things out mm. is how do you let that, seep in so it can be filtered through and filtered out and I think that's what kind of one of my favorite things that I've been thinking about recently is we really have to filter almost everything that comes to our life because we have to understand who we are and take information in filter it so it applies and works the best it possibly can for us to make sure that we have the opportunity to create the centeredness in our life. Yeah, no, I think that's really good. I also loved when your sister said that um, sometimes just turning up the music allowed her to block out the noise, ironically by creating more noise, but in a manner where she could kind of dance through, dance through the moments, dance through the day, dance through her work or her task load. That was sort of a way in which her body was shedding some of the stress or the strain of whatever that task was. So she was still able to be productive, but she was doing it in a way that was kind of unique and she had made uh, fun or play out of what this work was. Mm -hmm. So Mark, what are some, you think, helpful techniques or habits to make sure that we have the opportunity to be or we have the opportunity to create this space 
Because I don't think you're walking to school right now. It's Are so you? It's so true. No, I'm not. <laughs> Although I will say, and what struck me is, when I'm on my commute, I will oftentimes turn up the radio or I will find a route that allows me to kind of zone out and just kind of prepare my mind for the switch from what family life and home life was providing into my work and professional space. And similarly, when I'm coming back from a trip or when I'm returning from the work day, there is sort of a decompression bubble that I seek from within my own vehicle. And whether that's listening to a podcast or books on tape or simply some of my favorite Spotify uh, music playlists, any of those things allow me to kind of flip that switch back to then re-enter my real life at home after I'm done with work life. And that felt very similar in like an adult version of what Jane was providing. I think as we wrap up, one of the things that I would, I think is really important what I'm hearing is create centeredness and, and pausing to create life balance is creating space, which is not easy. Right. It is a, you know, it takes practice. And, and I think one of the things that I would always encourage folks is, keep trying on this you know it's okay to say okay i didn't get this yet <laughs> i'll try again and so i so i i was fortunate enough to go through a leadership class and the the teacher her name was judy brown or the leader of this class um she wrote a poem called fire and i think that it was a great perspective on what we think makes the fire burn and so I'll just read this poem to this group. And, you know, Judy, it is a poem by Judy Brown. And it says, fire. What makes a fire burn is the space between the logs, a breathing space. Too much of a good thing, too many logs, packed in too tight, can douse the flames almost as surely as a pail of water would. So building fires requires attention to the spaces in between as much as to the wood. When we're able to build open spaces in the same way we have learned to pile on the logs, then we can come to see how it is fuel and the absence of fuel together that makes the fire possible. We only need to lay a log on lightly from time to time. A fire grows simply because the space is there with openings in which the flame that knows just how it wants to burn can find its way. Wow, that's great imagery. Judy is a phenomenal leader, a phenomenal uh, person on thinking about how do you have to create space so that you can really get that time to address things in your life. And and so I, I would just encourage all of our listeners that we hope we have. <laughs> the two people that are out there, listen carefully. Yes, as we, uh, uh, as we start with our first podcast here is that we're going to encourage you to find space, take the time, and just be who you're supposed to be. And so as we finish up today's podcast, we have a couple references. One, Judy Brown. We want to thank her for that amazing poem. The second one, uh, a reference is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Also, centerstone.org has an article on how to get your life back in balance. And then the other thing, too, is there's another book we'd recommend called Noise by Joseph McCormick. It's Living and Leading When Nobody Can Focus. There's another great book that kind of helps you along the way. And we'd also like to thank our guest, Jane Raddick. And we appreciate 
each of you for joining us today. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Let's Pause. If you liked what you heard, drop a follow, smash a like, or drop us a note at letspause.org.